Welcome to Transformed by Grace, an in-depth Bible study of God's Word presented by the Berean Bible Society. Join us each time on this station as Pastor Kevin brings the transforming message of God's grace revealed through the Holy Scriptures. A headline from an Austin, Texas newspaper once read, Man Experiences Heart Attack After the Rapture. Herbert Washington worked at Significant Plastics Incorporated, and his co-workers stated that he was always very concerned with the rapture. Unfortunately, he suffered a serious heart attack when co-workers pretended that they had been caught away without him. One Tuesday, they laid out their work outfits on their chairs and hid in a supply room. When Herbert came back from the restroom, he thought the rapture had occurred, and the janitor who was in on it pretended to have witnessed everyone disappear and he ran around the office, feigning panic. Herbert then fell to the ground, clutching his heart and screaming, Don't forget me, Jesus. What did I do wrong? He was taken to a local hospital. The employees emerged sober from the uh, supply room and gathered up their extra clothes. We didn't mean to scare him to death, said one woman. He's just always talking about it, so today we decided to turn the tables on him. Herbert Washington underwent bypass surgery and recovered well. His wife said that after this, though, he dug into the Bible like never before. It's good to have the rapture on our minds and to tell others about it. And we need to dig into our Bibles in in order to understand and to study it more. In this episode, we'll continue our dig together into the Bible concerning the comparisons between the rapture of the body of Christ and the second coming of Christ to Israel. Mark 13, 27 says, And then shall he send his angels, and shall gather together his elect from the four winds, from the uttermost part of the earth to the uttermost part of heaven. Christ gathers believers himself at the rapture. The way 1 Thessalonians 4, 16-17 describes it is that the Lord descends from heaven with a shout, and the trump sounds to call the body of Christ home. Then by the power of Christ shout, immediately the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we that are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord. The Lord shouts, and then the gathering of the whole body of Christ takes place. The Lord doesn't use His angels to gather the body at the rapture. Angels are there, but they are there for a different purpose. Christ does the gathering himself. But then you find in Mark 13, 27, how Christ sends angels to gather believing Israel at the second coming. Angels will be the agents that Christ uses to gather believing Jews who are spread out all over the earth. Jewish people today are also spread out all over the world. But in that day, as a result of the Antichrist persecution in pursuit of believing Jews, Israelites will be scattered to the uttermost parts of the earth and will be driven to the four winds or the four corners of the world in order to stay alive. And at the second coming, angels will be commissioned by Christ to gather them all together. 1 Corinthians 15.52 says, In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, 
at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. The trumpet, the rapture, closes the program of grace and gathers the church to heaven. Paul calls the rapture trump the last trump in 1 Corinthians 15.52. This phrase means the trump sounded at the last. It's a trumpet sounded at the last, the end of this dispensation of grace, which declares the close of this program. Now this trump, as well as the trumpet used at the second coming, are trumpets of gathering, but gathering to different places. Paul refers to our gathering at the rapture in 2 Thessalonians 2.1. Now we beseech you, brother, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him. The trump that sounds at the rapture gathers all members of the body of Christ unto Christ into one place. And our place, our hope, our home and eternal position in Christ is in the heavenlies. And that's where the trump differs at the rapture from the trump at the second coming. According to Matthew 24, 31, the angels will go around the world with the great sound of a trumpet. as They use that trumpet as they gather believing Jews. But the trumpet, the second coming, gathers scattered Jews to the promised land for the kingdom of their Messiah. The trump doesn't gather believers to heaven in that day, but calls them to the promised land for the establishment and start of the millennial kingdom. Revelation 1.7 says, Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him, and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. Eyes are mentioned for each of these future comings of Christ. The body disappears in the twinkling of an eye at the rapture. In that passage in 1 Corinthians 15.51-52, however, it doesn't say that the rapture takes place in the twinkling of an eye. It says that our bodies will be changed in the twinkling of an eye. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. I believe those who are alive at that day will see the whole rapture unfold. It won't take a long time, but we will see Christ descend from heaven in all His glory. We will see the souls of the members of the body of Christ that come with Christ from heaven. We will hear Christ shout. We will see the archangel and we will hear His voice. We will see the angels that are summoned at that time. We will hear the trump of God. Then we will see the dead in Christ rise first. And then, in the twinkling of an eye, our bodies will be changed and we will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. This is an argument from silence as far as the Scripture saying nothing about it, but I believe the rapture is seen only by the members of the body of Christ. Only believers will see the rapture. And this is unlike Christ's second coming, which is seen by every eye, both believers and unbelievers. Matthew 24, 30 puts it, And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. 
A lot of people have a lot of different ideas about the sign of the Son of Man in heaven in that passage. Some wonder if it's a cross that appears in the sky, or maybe it's the star that appeared the night that Christ was born. But what I think, and what I think is very clear from Scripture, is that the sign of the Son of Man is the Son of Man. They will see Christ, and they will see Him coming on a white horse. Revelation 1.7 says that every eye shall see Him, and then they will wail and cry out in their fear and dread. In Matthew 24.30, after the sign of the Son of Man appears in heaven, then all the tribes of the earth mourn, seeing Christ coming with power and great glory in judgment and wrath will cause all unbelievers at that day to wail and to mourn. 1 Thessalonians 4.17 says, Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. This is one of my favorite rapture versus second coming comparisons. The rapture happens in the air, where Satan is the prince of the power of the air. Both the rapture and the second coming take place where Satan's stronghold is and where he currently resides. Ephesians 2.2 tells us, Wherein in time past he walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. Having been kicked out of the third heaven, the unseen god of this world, Satan, with all his demons, range through the air, around us and above us in the first heaven of the upper atmosphere, as well as in the second heavens in space. As the prince of the air, Satan rules, guides, and influences the course of this world. What I love about the rapture is that the Lord sticks it to the devil by descending right into the middle of where Satan's stronghold is. The rapture happens in the air to catch the body of Christ off this earth to heaven. The Lord does this in the air to demonstrate to the prince of the power of the air and to all who has the real power, who's really in control here. And this is also why the voice of the archangel is heard at the rapture, as Michael accompanies the Lord at the rapture, and he summons the angelic host to preparedness and to provide us with safe passageway through enemy territory as we are taken directly to the third heaven. After the rapture in the middle of the tribulation, Revelation 12, 7-9 teaches that there will be war in heaven, in which Michael and his angels will fight against Satan and his angels. The result of the war is, and the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Thus the prince of the power of the air is then cast down to the earth at that point. Then at the end of the tribulation, the second coming happens on the earth to where Satan has been cast down, and it results then in Satan being cast down even further into the center of the earth for a thousand years. And again, the Lord is sticking it to the devil by descending to where Satan is and where he will have been cast down and confined on the earth. 
And at the second coming, Christ comes all the way down to the earth and he removes authority and control of this world from the devil as he establishes his worldwide kingdom. And before Christ reigns, and to further humiliate the devil, he casts him down into the center of the earth for that entire thousand years. So at the rapture, it happens in the air to shame the prince of the power of the air. At the second coming, it happens on the earth to further disgrace the God of this world. We'll be returning to the program in just a minute. But first, we'd like to take this time to thank you, our partners, for making these programs possible. If you would like to access our library of helpful Bible study tools, go to BereanBibleSociety.org. The Rapture vs. the Second Coming is a 40-page booklet written by Pastor Kevin J. Sadler. This booklet provides a side-by-side contrast of the Rapture and the Second Coming of Christ. Bible references throughout show the vast differences between these two future events, while full-color photos illustrate the clear teachings of Scripture. To order your copy, contact the Berean Bible Society for pricing and availability at 262-255-4750 or visit our website at www.bereanbiblesociety.org To receive our free full-color 32-page monthly magazine, The Berean Searchlight, Call 262-255-4750 or subscribe online at www.bereanbiblesociety.org. Thank you again for your generous gifts. And now, back to the teaching with Pastor Kevin. Luke twenty-one twenty-seven, And then shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. The title Son of Man is never used in any of the passages dealing with the rapture. Paul speaks of it as the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and meeting the Lord in the air, the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. But Paul doesn't use the title Son of Man as he describes the rapture. But in contrast, The second coming is spoken of as the coming of the Son of Man, and for a good reason. This is a reference to the Lord fulfilling the prophecy of Daniel 7, 13-14. I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven and came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. And there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom, that all people, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed. Daniel saw glory, dominion, and an everlasting kingdom given to the Son of Man. By the Lord saying that He, the Son of Man, would come in a cloud with power and great glory, He was applying that prophecy to Himself as Israel's Messiah and that He would fulfill it. He, the Son of Man, will be given the kingdom from the Father, and at His second coming He will come to establish that kingdom on the earth, which shall never pass away. So Paul doesn't use the term Son of Man for the rapture, because that's not our hope. 
Our hope is to be with the Lord in heaven forever. Psalm 110, 5-6 says, The Lord at thy right hand shall strike through kings in the day of his wrath. He shall judge among the heathen. He shall fill the places with the dead bodies. He shall wound the heads over many countries. You see a big difference between the two future comings of Christ with what they result in. The rapture results in life. Members of the body of Christ are raised from the dead at the rapture. Colossians describes the Lord at His appearance as Christ, who is our life. In Him we have life eternal, and by Him we have the hope of life and resurrection. 2 Corinthians 4.14 says, Knowing that He which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus. At the rapture, Christ raises and gives life to the dead bodies of the members of His church under grace, the body of Christ. Unlike the rapture, the second coming results in death. Carcasses from Armageddon cover the ground. Psalm 100 verses 5 to 6 teaches how when the Lord comes at the second coming, He will strike through or He will literally execute kings in the heads of many countries. And at the battle of Armageddon, when he comes, he will fill the places with dead bodies. These kings and men will gather at this battle to rise up against Christ. And the ground after the second coming will be littered with dead carcasses. And it is unbelievable pride that these kings and all of these people will come actually thinking they have a chance against the one who is the Lord God Almighty. And they will be slaughtered at His second coming. And this is the primary result of the second coming, death. And this is unlike the rapture, which results in life from the dead. 1 Thessalonians 4.14 says, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. Those trusting in the death, burial, and resurrection have the hope of the rapture. 1 Thessalonians 4.14 makes that point clear. If we have believed Jesus died for us and rose again, then we have the sure hope of the rapture, of resurrection, and eternal life. Faith alone, trusting that Christ died for our sins and rose again, are the terms of the gospel of the grace of God. And it is how one becomes a member of the church, the body of Christ. And the rapture is for the body of Christ. In contrast, those who believe Jesus is Israel's Messiah and who endure to the end will be saved by the second coming. Matthew 24, 13 reads, But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. We do not have to endure to the end of our lives to be saved. This passage is written to Israel in the context of the seven-year tribulation period. When it says to endure unto the end, we should ask, unto the end of what? And in the context, the answer is the end of the seven-year tribulation. 
This doesn't apply to us because we are delivered from the wrath to come and we won't be here during those seven years. Christ is teaching Israel in the Olivet Discourse in Matthew 24. And for those alive in that day after the rapture, they have horrors and disasters to endure through during that time. They will have the great persecution of believers led by the Antichrist to endure through. And they will also have to endure through the temptation to take the mark of the beast so that they can buy and sell. Because Revelation teaches that whoever takes the mark of the beast in that day, their doom is sure, and they are going to the lake of fire. So people after the rapture have to endure to the end of the tribulation to be saved. But how are they saved by enduring to the end of the tribulation period? And the answer is because of what takes place at the end of the tribulation. They are saved by the second coming of Christ. At the second coming, at the end of the tribulation, Christ delivers them from that terrible and terrifying time period, and then he will deliver them into the joys, peace, and life of his millennial kingdom. That's Israel's hope. That's the salvation that they're looking for. 1 Corinthians 15, 51 says, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. The rapture was unrevealed in the past and is only found in the Apostle Paul's letters, Romans through Philemon. When you come to this understanding, then everything falls right into place and makes sense. When the rapture is misapplied to passages outside of Paul's letters, that's when confusion comes in and everything gets all mixed up. Paul had a special revelation given to him for the dispensation of grace called the revelation of the mystery. This message had been kept secret since the world began. Part of that revelation is Christ's coming for the body of Christ prior to the tribulation period. The rapture was unrevealed in time past. It was first revealed to Paul and is only found in Romans to Philemon. However, the second coming is predicted in the Old Testament, the Gospels, and the Hebrew Epistles. It is taught and prophesied in many places in these parts of your Bible. For example, Isaiah 66, 15-16 prophesies, For behold, the Lord will come with fire and with His chariots like a whirlwind to render His anger with fury and His rebuke with flames of fire. For by fire and by his sword will the Lord plead with all flesh, and the slain of the Lord shall be many. Any coming of Christ mentioned in the Old Testament, the Gospels, and the Hebrew epistles is referring to either Christ's first or second coming to Israel. None of the teachings and prophecies in these places in your Bible refer to the rapture of the church. We know this because Paul said, Behold, I show you a mystery, or a secret. The rapture is something God said nothing about and did not reveal until Paul. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. 
These contrasts support the truth that these two comings of Christ are two different events for two different programs, and they cannot and should never be unified into one event. We must rightly divide the word of truth as 2 Timothy 2.15 instructs us to do. The rapture is the coming of Christ for the church, the body of Christ, before the tribulation. The second coming is the coming of Christ for Israel after the tribulation. They are two separate comings for two different groups of believers. Brian Bill tells the following, Recently we went with another family to an apple orchard. Upon discovering that they had a corn maze, we decided to check it out. I thought it was going to be a little field with a few paths through the corn, but boy was I mistaken. We paid our fee and then split up into three groups. We were handed some maps that we ignored and ran into the maze. Our task was to find 12 signposts and get our card punched. It didn't take long for us to get lost and for me to get claustrophobic. When we didn't know which way to turn, after going in circles for several minutes, we finally consulted the map. But the map wasn't much help because we didn't know where we were. A map only makes sense if you can find your location first. We eventually stumbled upon a signpost and punched our cards. We were encouraged, but then we lost our way again. I heard some people up ahead of us and asked them where the next sign was. And this is not easy for a man to do, to ask for directions. They pointed left, then right, then straight ahead. I politely thanked them, but had no clue what they were talking about. Eventually, we discovered a few shortcuts through the corn, where previous pilgrims had trampled down the stalks and found a couple more signposts. As we stumbled through the maze, I realized that if we could get up high enough, we could see part of a pattern in the paths to our goal. I found a raised platform, and when I stood on it, I gained a better perspective. And then I thought, if we had a helicopter or access to a global positioning satellite, we would have cruised through the confusion in about 10 minutes. If we could just get high enough, we could see that there was an intelligent design to everything. A person can easily get lost in God's Word if they don't rightly divide it. Rightly dividing God's word and seeing the revelation of the mystery that was committed to the Apostle Paul gives us this higher, better perspective understanding of God's word. Because then we see God's program for Israel as revealed through prophecy and his program for the body of Christ as revealed through the mystery. This allows us to see God's master plan, his overall design and plan the higher, broad view of the purposes of God for both heaven and the earth. And seeing this further helps us to differentiate between the two future comings of Christ. By rightly dividing God's word, we learn that Christ is coming for the body of Christ at the rapture to catch believers away to heaven before the tribulation. And then seven years later, he is coming to and for Israel at the second coming to deliver Israel at the end of the tribulation and then to usher them into his kingdom on the earth.
Thank you again for tuning in to Transformed by Grace. We appreciate your prayer support and the financial gifts. The purpose and mission of the Berean Bible Society is to help you understand the whole counsel of the Word of God. For more information, visit our website at www.bereanbiblesociety.org or give us a call at 262-255-4750. Or if you prefer, write us at the Berean Bible Society, P.O. Box 756, Germantown, Wisconsin, 53022. Now until next time, may you be transformed by God's grace.